This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Yo, what's going on, people? Of course, you're now listening to the Disnomics Podcast. I thank you for joining us. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button on wherever you listen to this podcast and click the notification the notification bell, sorry. So when my pod drops, you're in the loop. But yeah, we're going to start off this pod by, as I'm recording this, it's Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all the brilliant and wonderful mothers out there past and present we cherish you you are the most important people in the world and i hope the people in your life make that known not only today or yesterday or last or last week by the time you listen to this but on a consistent basis because you do deserve now today's topic i wish i just had a soundboard i think it's from breaking bad it's like you can't keep getting away with this and that's how i feel about the banking sector I'm not full on like burn the banks, they're the worst things in the world, but sometimes I'm like, come on, come on, man. Yeah, so this week, last week, well, last week we spoke about SVB, SVB Bank. For those who didn't listen, a quick summary. They are, they at the time of, before collapse, they were the 16th largest bank in America. Um, they were based in California and their business was focused on providing financing for smaller to medium-sized startups, right? Unfortunately, with the recent rise in interest rates, which of course implemented by the Fed to battle inflation, that finished them. Completely and utterly finished them. And for those who listened to last week, an update is the Federal um, the Federal Reserve have stepped in and they've basically said, all people had deposits with these banks, your banks, your deposits will be guaranteed on, on Monday. So don't worry about that. Um, even those that were above 250K, which was the insured mark. So people who had money in the account, the regulators guaranteed fee of 250K. But for those who had 5 million, 13 million, 3 billion, majority of their money wasn't insured. So they could be in deep, deep wahala, but they are fine. And in the UK, SVB Bank, banking branch in the UK was purchased by HSBC for one pound. <laughs> Very interesting. But this week... We're moving on to the Swiss bank, Swiss giants Credit Suisse. Why this is super interesting is because there was a debate about is this is, is this contagion? So this is not like coronavirus or monkeypox. This, this, this might be worse than those things. Well, depending on how you feel, which I'm not getting to. People saying, is this the start of another 2008 financial crisis? Some people are like, no, come on. SVB bank and... Uh, other banks in New York that were focused on crypto. This is very much tech and crypto. So yeah, it might damage that sector, but it's not going to spread to the wider economy. Well, Credit Suisse going under might change that. So we're going to discuss who are Credit Suisse, why are they in the mud, 
what was their options and what happened. And spoiler alert, they got bailed out again. <laughs> but anyway, let's get into it. Hiya, it's MXM and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's lit. It's lit. It's lit. Yo, what's going on, people? Of course, you listen to Dysonomics. And this week we are talking Credit Suisse, the Swiss bank that got its ass pammed over the last five years and had to go crawl into the Swiss um, <laughs> the Swiss central bank and got bailed out by the government, I mean, the authority, sorry, and its biggest rival. So first of all, we're going to start with who Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse, you might have seen they're building Canary Wharf. They are a Swiss bank. Um, their home is in Zurich. They're the 155th largest bank in the world. And that may sound small, but they are very influential. Their business is split up into four parts. Wealth management, Swiss bank, the investment bank and asset management. I'll start off with the biggest revenue earner, which is the wealth management. Wealth management is like when you have these high net worth individuals, their clients, like maybe footballers, rich entrepreneurs, um, just celebrities, whoever may be, um, people on hedge funds, so on and so forth. So you help them with their taxes, plan their state, or even stuff like, okay, I want to buy a yacht. You help them secure financing for that, right? So that takes that um, accounts for 37% of their business. Then you've got the Swiss bank, which accounts for a third of their business, 32%. Now, what's this? Well, this is the regular banking, right? For everyday people, they provide loans, they provide mortgages, they take deposits, they have branches all over the gaff, right? So a regular everyday bank, kind of like NatWest. Then you've got the investment bank that, that accounts for 15% of their revenue. They underwrite IPOs. An IPO is when a company goes public. So when they list their, so let's say you have a company and you sell bags and your private company, obviously you and your business partner own that company. And you got to a point where your company is doing so well, you want to scale it. You then sell the shares and people, anybody can now purchase these shares if they've got the funds to do so. So other bits of business in their investment bank, they provide brokerage services for hedge funds. So helping them buy and sell. Um, they provide advisor, advisory services on corporate mergers and so on and so forth. And then their smallest segment of their business where they attribute, or they, sorry, they gain 9% of the revenue, revenue from is asset management, right? So this is like where they offer mutual funds to individuals and institutional investors, right? Cool. Well, so that's who Credit Suisse are. Well, why are they, why is this big bank that has a variety of arms and ability to, to provide a variety of products, why are they in the mud? Boy, I've got a story for you. It all, well, it didn't all start, but in terms of this chapter of their demise, the most recent one, the moment their biggest investor said they are absolutely not investing further or providing them funding, everything went tits up. That day alone, their share price tumbled 28%. And that is humongous for a stock. If we look at their stock price on the year, the stock price is down by 75%. 
This sparked a massive sell-off and this also hit up other banks. Like I saw Barclays was down by 7% earlier this week. The FTSE 100, which is which is like the 100 largest companies in the UK, that fund was down by 3.8%, which is the lowest this year. It was this Swiss bank. <laughs> this Swiss bank was in serious wahala. And this was fresh off the heels of them announcing that their auditor, which was PwC, identified material weaknesses in its financial reporting controls. Very, very spooky. So before I go into the recent issue, I'm gonna give you some history of recent scandals with Credit Suisse, which led to further deterioration of their credibility and their stock price, which led to their basic demise. I'm gonna start with the green seal scandal, right? So Swiss financial watchdog found that Credit Suisse seriously breached its supervisory obligations in its relationship with disgraced financer, Let's Green Seal and these companies after the collapse of Green Seal Capital in March, 2021. Green Seal, which lent money to companies by buying their invoices upfront, collapsed after credit insurers withdrew cover because they had concerns over huge exposure to the steel and commodities tycoon Shanjeev Gupta's GFG Alliance. Credit Suisse have been trying to recover $10 billion of trapped funds in Grenzil, in, uh, as well as overhaul its risk management and compliance. I think allegedly they've, they've um, got 70% back of these trapped funds. Now, what, what, who was Greensill and what was the issue? Okay, well, Greensill was a charis- described as a charismatic Australia banker and he managed to persuade Credit Suisse and a, another Swiss investor, GAM, to basically invest billions of dollars into its supply chain financing business. Which and this business aims were to help companies and the public sector by speeding up payment of bills and wages. That sounds quite noble, right? Fun fact, former UK Prime Minister David Cameron was actually an advisor of Grenzel, and he was also employed to help lobby the government on his behalf. Very interesting. What is, why Credit Suisse got into trouble for this is because the risk of the fund was indicated as very low. If you look at any of the client documentation, at the time of closure, clients had invested $10 billion in the funds. Immediately after closure, FINMA, which is the Swiss regulator, started to investigate whether Credit Suisse had violated its supervisory law. And lo and behold, they were right. So, Grenzel told the bank that it was planning a stock market float with Credit Suisse and needed a bridging loan. Just, you know what I mean? Just a quick bridge loan, you know what I'm saying? The lender's risk management responsible for the loan identified a number of risks in the company's business model and recommended internally at the bank it did not grant them the loan. However, senior management, of course, overruled his decision. And (laughs) there you go. Not very good, not very professional, not very trustworthy. This one is was my favorite because I just couldn't believe the audacity of it. 
So let's go to Africa. The Mozambique tuna bonds loan scandal. Credit Suisse were fined together by UK and US regulators a combined £350 million after pleading guilty to wire fraud and agreed to forgive hundreds of millions of dollars worth of debt owned, owed, sorry, by Mozambique. So because of their wrongdoing, they got fined 350 M's and they had to write off hundreds of millions of dollars of debt that Mozambique owed to the bank. The Financial Conduct Authority, which is our UK regulator, accused the bank of serious failings in its financial crime controls. Now listen to this. Here's where the tuna bond scale scale, or here where the tuna bond scandal stemmed from. It came from $1.3 billion worth of loans. The Swiss bank arranged these loans for the Republic of Mozambique between 2012 and 2016. So you're thinking, hold on, so what's the issue? They loaned the Af- a sovereign country. That's like them loaning money to the UK government. Well, the loans were meant to be aimed at government-sponsored government investment schemes, including maritime security projects and a state tuna situation. Right? Do you know what I mean? Let's pattern up our, our maritime activity, our seaside activity. Do you know what I mean? Let's, let's boost our economy because we're good at this type of stuff, right? Hmm. Listen to this. A portion of the funds were unaccounted for with one of Mozambique's contracts later found to have securities arranged in significant kickbacks worth at least $137 million, including $50 million for bankers at Credit Suisse meant to secure more favourable deals on the loans. What does this mean? A portion of the funds, just unaccounted for. And what happened was, the people involved were doing kickbacks. And what does that mean? So officials from the Republic of Mozambique were giving the bankers $50 million back in exchange for more favourable terms on the loan. This is clearly illegal. This is insane. This is wire fraud. This is fraud. (laughs) Crazy. The scam... Of course, snowballed so bad that the International Monetary Fund (IMF) suspended its financial assistance to Mozambique, which of course led to a crash in the country's economy. The FCA said that you lot deliberately went out of your way to conceal this kickback. Hmm. Bums. The next one, they were convicted for failing to prevent money laundering. <laughs> Last June, Credit Suisse were convicted by Switzerland Federal, Federal Criminal Court for failing to prevent money laundering by a Bulgarian cocaine trafficking gang. Look at this. Look at this, bro. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. 
That's shopify.com slash system. A former employee was found guilty of money laundering in the trial, which included testimony on murders and cash stuffed into suitcases. This is like watching Snowfall, The Wire, or Jam saying Crazy. Both the bank and employee obviously denied wrongdoings, and the bank said that they will appeal. Credit Suisse was fined 2 million Swiss francs, which is the currency, which is why every time you hear me talk about Swiss franc, the difference between Swiss franc and the dollar is, is marginal. And the difference between a Swiss franc and a pound in Euro is like similar to the pound and euro, that type of shit. So Credit Suisse was fined 2 million Swiss francs, which is $2.1 million. The court also ordered the confiscation of assets worth more than 12 million francs that the drug gang had held in accounts at Credit Suisse. And it also ordered the bank to relinquish more than 19 million Swiss francs, the amount that could not be confiscated due to internal deficiencies at Credit Suisse. Though, of course, with Swiss privacy laws, laws, the employee who was involved, name has to be private, and that employee got a suspended 20-month prison sentence and they fined for money laundering. The band names that are running ACs doing a cheeky bit of fraud are getting two, one, three, five years in jail. But man could be doing money laundering for flipping Bulgarian cartels that are clapping people and get suspended sentence. Insane. So we spoke about the Grenzel scandal, the Mozambique tuna bonds loan scandal. Also, we spoke about being convicted for the money laundering. Now, another L that they've taken recently was they lost four billion last year. I'm not getting to the details with that because it's pretty self-explanatory. Now I'm going to discuss the recent events. Material weakness in financial controls. On Tuesday the 14th of March, the Swiss bank reported that management did not design and maintain an effective risk management process to identify and analyze the risk of material misstatements in its financial statements. They claim that this stuff does not impact their annual results of 2022, where they posted their biggest annual loss since the financial crisis began. Well, one of the big four accountancy firms in the UK, PwC, was the people that found this. And this is what happened. Back in 2019, and you have to go back to 2019 and look at its treatment of netting securities, lending and borrowing activities. Now, when we speak about netting, it is used to reduce settlement, credit and other financial risk between two or more parties. Net, this is often used in trading where an investor can offset a portion of one security or currency with another position, either in the same security or a different one, right? So it's like a protective measure. In doing this, this led to Credit Suisse understating their cash flow positions and their balance sheet. Very bad. Very, very bad. Now, what's interesting is that they've been trying to go through like a mini re uh, um, a rebrand, right? So they've changed their philosophy twice in the last 18 months, but I'm gonna go into that later. So what happened? So that happened on Tuesday, and then we had on then we had um the SNB basically say, listen, dog, we ain't putting any more money in. So this is what happened before that. There was a mini rebound. Credit Suisse shares rebounded on Thursday 
open up 20% after they they basically said, yo, listen, we've been breaking bread with the with the Swiss national with the um, Swiss Central Bank and they've borrowed us 50 billion Swiss francs, which is 54 million dollars, 54 billion dollars or 44 billion pounds. This is going to provide them liquidity and they're going to buy back 3 billion francs worth of their own debts. This is so we can, of course, boost liquidity and calm investors down. Obviously, the Swiss National Central Bank, okay, no, I keep saying National Bank, the Swiss Central Bank stepped in after the chair of the Saudi National Bank ruled out any further investment in Credit Suisse. And I said that earlier. So basically, so the Saudi National Bank, they, they're the biggest investor in Credit Suisse. They own like 9.8%. And they were like, oh, yeah, if we're first to invest more, there's going to be different regulatory issues. But the fact that he's like, absolutely not is off the cards, that sent alarm bells from Gid. Because if the biggest investor is not looking to invest in you, why, why on earth is our money still here? Did you get it? So we had the comments of the chair of the Saudi National Bank. Then you have the global market stock market in disarray after SVB's collapse last week. It was the perfect storm for Credit Suisse to be in a bad situation. You know that saying, tough times don't last, tough people do. Well, this isn't true for Credit Suisse because by the end of that very first day where they started off with 20% um, rebound in their stock price, their shares still closed 11% lower than the previous day. Very, very peak. Also, the drop in their credit default swaps and bond yields is minimal. Now, what does this mean? Bond yields, remember we spoke about bonds last week, a bond is basically an IOU, right? Here's this bond. I will, both, you give me 100 million and I will pay you back on said date and I'll give you the interest rates of 5%, for example, to make it worth your while, right? The more expensive... The higher the yield is, which is the, that means the higher the interest in the interest is, the more risky that bond is, because as you know yourself, the difference in interest rate if you borrow from your local bank, whether it be Santander, Barclays, NetWest, Halifax, nationwide, compared to if you borrow from Wonga, is different. The APR is new, right? So the more riskier the loan, the higher the interest rate. So Wonga and them other payday loans, the reason why the interest rate is so high is because the people that tend to get it have a lower credit profile, right? So if the bond yields for Credit Suisse ain't changing, that means that after all these impacts, people don't think us purchasing your debt is any more safe. And a credit default swap, hmm, should I explain this? Mm, I don't think it's necessary. Anyway, so yeah, so their credit default swaps and their bond yields didn't move. Actually, let me explain credit default swap. Might as well, since we're here. So what is a credit default swap? A credit default swap is a financial derivative, which is basically a contract that allows investors to swap out their credit risk with another party is also known as hedging. You're hedging your bets, right? For example, if a lender is concerned that a particular borrower will default on their loan, they may decide to use a credit default swap to offset the risk. So let's say you've borrowed, you've borrowed me 100 quid 
But you're thinking, mm, I don't know if this, you could pay that back, you know. You might kind of sell that contract that that you have with me. You you might sell it with somebody else. Like, okay, cool. If this who does default, then I can make my money back off this contract that I sold to my man. Do you get? Fantastic. Okay, cool. The reason why this injection of liquidity from the Swiss Central Bank didn't move the needles because unlike SVB last week, liquidity isn't the issue for investors. The issue is that you might have bumps and the worry is that your business model isn't profitable. If clients keep pulling out assets, why are we going to invest? And this is even worse when we have SVB last week. And then you have the chair of the um, Saudi National Bank saying, nah, we're not investing anymore. So the Credit Suisse were faced with these options. A, abolishes radical restructuring plan. B, spin off its Swiss unit. C, a takeover. Or D, resolution. And let's go into all of them. Restructure. This is, they were switching capital and resources away from their investment banking sector. Remember I said the investment banking sector was the third out of their fourth, out of their four segments. It netted um, 15% of their revenue, right? Well, this, they believe that this isn't very resourceful. It's making losses and they want to focus more on towards domestic wealth and asset management units. The investors aren't convinced. They're saying there's a lack of clarity of what you man will actually sell to the point longtime shareholder Harris Associates sold their entire position in the bank. And this is mad because, wait, you want to get rid of your investor banking, which brings in 50% of your revenue, but keep the asset management and focus that brings in 9%. Mm, ah, nobody. Now, if they do change, go away from this restructure, that will indicate their first strategic plan 18 months. That will look crazy. You won't look competent. You won't look trustworthy. The second option is a breakup. Previous CEO, who's actually a black man, Tijani Tam, wanted a domestic uh, universal bank um, to be separated. And that was 25% of their business in 2017. He claimed that this could raise 15 billion Swiss francs, which is nearly twice the bank's current market value right now. So their current market value is 7.7 billion um, Swiss francs. In 2018, they're worth 18.4 billion Swiss francs. That's how much they've lost in the last five years. Um, their third option, which is what actually, spoiler alert, what actually happened was takeover. Um, during the week, U U UBS emerged as the most likely takeover. Ironically, this is their big Zurich rival. This is the other, this is the biggest bank. This is the biggest bank in Zurich. A merger between the two banks actually had been discussed at length by both boards for a period of time, but it never really got off the ground because of antitrust barriers and halted progression. So it might not be as competitive. And the final potential is resolution. This is where the Swiss central bank steps in to guarantee deposits like the Fed did with SVB, take full control of the business and sell parts of the business whilst widening the rest down. Of course, this is politically dangerous because it will cost Swiss taxpayers money 
And plus it's quite like embarrassing that raw, like one of our biggest banks just got blamed. Well, what happened in the end? UBS, as only a couple hours ago as I'm recording, has now purchased the bank. It's interesting because as I was researching for the pods and reading the news as I usually do, like UBS has been mentioned all throughout the week. Um, all throughout the week as like the most likely option. Switzerland's authorities were preparing emergency measures, and I'm guessing those measures worked, to fast track the takeover. Um, under the current rules, UBS will have to give shareholders six weeks to consult. But regulators Finma, Swiss National Bank, have told international counterparts that they want UBS as the only viable method to kind of arrest a collapse in confidence in Credit Suisse. This is interesting because BlackRock, which is one of the world's largest investment companies based in New York with legendary CEO Larry Fink, they were actually interested. And I think the gist is that they were willing to pay more than UBS, but naturally they wanted to keep 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 it strictly family. Keep it strictly Swiss. You get me. So that so they never they never really got the the bid off the ground. And yeah, as I came home, I see that the deal has been agreed. UBS agreed a three point five billion dollar rescue of Credit Suisse. UBS is is end up paying about zero point seven six Swiss francs a share, which is worth so the total package is worth three billion Swiss francs. They previously offered. 0.25 Swiss francs per share earlier today, which would have been worth around $1 billion. And then this was rejected. What's crazy is because Credit Suisse's share price closed on Friday at 1.86 Swiss francs per share. <laughs> and they're not even getting half of that. Crazy. As part of the deal... Remember I said Saudi National Bank, they're like, hey, my friend, we're not investing any further. It's looking like it's over there, Steve. Dave, um, the Saudi National Bank, the biggest investor in um, Credit Suisse, has offered a hundred billion um, Swiss franc in terms of liquidity backed by the federal default guarantee to UBS. The government is also providing loss guarantee of up to nine billion Swiss francs only after UBS bears the first five billion worth of Swiss francs of losses on certain port- portfolios and assets. So the government say, listen, UBS, I beg, you man patent this. Okay, cool. If you lose 5 billion, fine. After that, we'll guarantee the next 9 billion of losses. UBS, obviously, is a massive bank. They have offices in Liverpool Street. Um, they have $1.1 trillion of assets under on its balance sheet. And at the time, Credit Suisse had... Uh, just under around half that, $575 billion worth of assets. In 2022, UBS made a profit of $7.6 billion, whereas Credit Suisse made a loss of $7.9 billion, which basically wiped out the previous decade's worth of work. So yeah, man, in conclusion, they got away with it. Credit Suisse has been taken over. After all these bad practices, after all this scandal and wahala, nobody's going to jail and taxpayers are paying again because these banks are too big to fail. Absolutely crazy. But yeah, that's it for this week's podcast. Of course, I'll be back next week. 
And yeah, tell a friend to tell a friend. Have a great week. Peace and blessings. Sports Social Podcast Network.